Welcome, everyone, to the September episode of Silas Speaks, Silas' monthly podcast, which is your window into what is happening at Sila and the securities and insurance licensing industry. Silas Speaks is brought to you by Rhodes Online and Sila, and I'm Alistair Yu. And I'm Diana Ivey. And Diana, joining us today on the pod is Fred Karlinski, shareholder and co-chair of the Insurance Regulatory and Transactions Practice at Greenberg Troutrig. This is Fred's second time on the pod, and we're so lucky to have him. But unfortunately, I know I wasn't able to participate, uh, but I know you had a great wide-ranging discussion with Fred. Yes, absolutely. Fred and I spoke about a number of things, uh, just um, briefly how he has been serving the industry over the years and also his engagement with Sila and the services he's provided to Sila over the years. And we talked about some interesting industry insights, particularly with regard to AI and insure tech usage by our industry. And we talked a little bit about his upcoming panel presentation at uh, Sila. He'll be a panelist, one of three, giving us some really great regulatory updates. So we're super excited about that. But before we get to his interview, why don't you tell us about things that are coming up on the calendar for Sila? Sure, Diana. Um, on Thursday, September 14th, there will be a Sila education and training subgroup meeting. That's a SETS meeting on the 14th at two o'clock. And that's really all there is on the calendar for September. But I do want to remind everybody that if you haven't registered for the conference yet in October, please make sure you get to that soon. It's going to be a great conference in Hollywood, Florida. And, you know, as you listen to this pod, you know, one of our great panels is, is with Fred. So that'll be great. But other than that, Diana, what regulatory updates should our listeners be aware of? Yeah, well, there's a bunch on the site. And so I just randomly picked out uh, three of the more recent ones. Um, so I'll just highlight those. And and by the way, I love that we're also posting tidbits on our sila.org. So our listeners can always reach out to or connect with sila.org and get some more updates there as well. Sure. Um, on the LinkedIn page, right? On the LinkedIn page. That's yeah. right. Sila.org, you know, on, on LinkedIn. That's right. <laughs> um, but I just wanted to give a quick mention. So, and these are all from this month in August, uh, which is when we're taping. So Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Insurance Department is uh, has implemented several legislative changes that are effective November 1st, um, and they, and his, they um, impact TPAs. So some of the highlights of things that are being impacted are third-party um, background checking, um, what to do around expired licenses, um, name or contact change information, number of days to respond to the state around things. So there's a lot of really important information for anybody who's engaged with TPA licensing to check this bulletin um, in Oklahoma because it's very important and it's uh, these changes are effective November 1st of this year. Um, the second one I want to mention, it's also Oklahoma and they've been busy, <laughs> but they have recently adopted um, uh, regulations enacting best interest standard on annuity sales and recommendations. A very important memo to you know read that, see what their standard is. And also earlier this month, they released a bulletin about training requirements for producers who are involved in the sales solicitation or negotiation of annuities. 
So very important stuff. Make sure if you're engaged in that type of business that you check those out. Um, and then I'll lastly just mention FINRA. Um, FINRA made uh, an announcement about their renewal, the annual renewal program, and that firms are required to renew their registrations with FINRA and other self-regulatory organizations and states and jurisdictions during the annual renewal program. And that begins in the fourth quarter of every year. FINRA collects all the applicable renewal fees on behalf of itself and the participating regulators, which enables firms to submit their entire renewal payment to FINRA instead of several uh, payments to each various regulator. So there's a very extensive outlined memo on silo.org about all of that for anybody who needs to be aware of that. All right, but without further ado, let's go ahead and get to our conversation with Fred. Now it's my pleasure to reintroduce Fred Karlinski, shareholder and co-chair of the Insurance and Regulatory Transactions Practice at the Greenberg Traurig Law Firm. This law firm is a leader in the fields of government and lobbying and nationally and internationally recognized on insurance regulatory matters. Welcome back to Silas Speaks, Fred. It's always so insightful and such a pleasure to catch up with you. And I mentioned GT being a US and a national a US national and a global firm. Can you tell us a little more about the services that your firm provides in the US? Absolutely. And and thanks for having me again, Diana. And thanks to Sila for putting these on. I think the work that Sila does in the education field is important. And I think these are are helpful in that regard as well. So in terms of GT, we've got about 2,800 lawyers and 45 offices around the world. Headcount-wise, we're in the top few law firms in the country, top 10 or so in the world. And we do just about everything. We're a full-service firm. I would say we're sort of like a third, a third, a third. We're about a third real estate. We do a ton of real estate. We started and were founded in Miami in 1967. And if you've been in Miami recently, there's cranes everywhere. Every one of those buildings we built, we worked on. People that fly down from uh, the Northeast New York that are familiar with New York feel like it's like New York looks like like downtown Manhattan. So do a lot of um, real estate work. Secondly, uh, we do a lot of litigation. I mean, any law firm of our size, any firm that has a footprint like ours is going to do litigation similar to real estate. We have some of the best litigators, not only in the U.S., but in the world. And we're real proud of those. Uh, the other third is corporate. In a lot of ways, we're sort of in that camp and in that group, but we're doing corporate work all over the country, all over the world. Interestingly enough, as you know, I'm based in Florida and in the Fort Lauderdale office, I'm sort of co-located between the Fort Lauderdale and Tallahassee offices. Fort Lauderdale, because that's where I live, Tallahassee, because that's the seat of government. And I'm on different teams within those offices. But I would say to you that there's a big group of corporate attorneys that we have in the Fort Lauderdale office. And we've worked with several different groups there that now I consider to be best of breed on the transactional side in the insurance arena. So not only do we complement our um, insurance clients with the public policy work and the regulatory work we do, but we also do it with the transactional work that we do from partners and associates all over the world. But in reality, a lot of it is based in Florida, not work in Florida. We do a lot in Florida, but all over the world from, from Florida and beyond. 
Yeah, you know, I didn't know the firm was headquartered or started in Florida. So that's interesting to me. And I know that you you currently live in Florida. You mentioned you live in the Fort Lauderdale area or are you in Fort Lauderdale itself? I'm in a little place called Weston. It's as nice and quiet as mm -hmm. you'll ever see a community. And it's really a serene um, avoidance of the hustle and bustle of a big city. So the good thing about where I am is I'm probably 20 minutes from my office in downtown Fort Lauderdale, 20 minutes from the Fort Lauderdale International Airport. But because of the way the road systems work down here, I'm only about 30 minutes away from the Miami International Airport and only about 40 minutes away from uh, the Miami Greenberg Targ office. Interestingly enough, because I'm all the way out west, so like I said, 20 minutes from downtown Lauderdale, but I can be to Naples for a dinner. If I leave at five, I'm comfortably seated in a restaurant at 6.30. And that's the other part of the state. And, and when I say comfortably, I mean without me speeding, without me doing anything crazy and, and being able to, to, to get there and relax for a second before a dinner. So it's about an hour and 20 minutes from my house to Naples. So great location. Uh, the only thing is, as you know, Fort Lauderdale, Miami, we are pretty far south. If I wanted to drive out of the state of Florida straight through, it's probably like an eight or nine hour drive. And the interesting thing, people don't fully appreciate this, but how big the state of Florida is. If you drove from Key West, the southernmost point, to the Panhandle, you're talking probably 16 hours, which is is crazy. Yeah, absolutely. And Fred, have you always been in Florida? Have you always lived there? Or did you move there from somewhere else? No, I was born in, in I, I used to say I was born in Miami, but truth be told, when I was doing my bar application about 30 years ago, I realized on my birth certificate that I had not been truthful to everyone. I was actually born in South Miami, South Miami Hospital. And so um, I am a native Floridian. There aren't that many of us. Interestingly, one of uh, my colleagues on our team, Chris Brito, is also a native Miamian as well. So um, look, South Florida is a great place. It is a pure melting pot. It's changed a lot over the uh, time that, that of my lifetime, but it's a great place to live and, and I wouldn't trade it for any other place. Oh, it's an exciting city. Do you have um, a fondest memory of growing up in the Miami or South Florida area? Any favorite memory? I, I wouldn't say I have any one favorite memory. I would just say it was a happy place to grow up that, um, you know, certainly every big city has turmoil and every big city has growing pains, but generally speaking, you know, Miami is, and, and, and some people think of it as they will, but to me, Miami is a pretty friendly place if you get to know people and if you get to know the city. And so I think just growing up in a nice, friendly environment, I mean, certainly as you grow older and as you look at weather elsewhere, you appreciate things like the sun and the beaches. And while I didn't appreciate that, although I will say this, the beaches in the old day are, are not the beaches of today because back then, even with my fair skin, you used to douse yourself with Hawaiian Tropic. No one's doing that anymore. So I don't, I would say those sunburns are a non-fond memory of, of, of being down here. But now as an adult, when you think about some of the fond memories everyone's moving to Florida. So the traffic is getting bad. That's not a fond memory. It was better back then. But the fact that we have no state income tax, that is a that is important every day of the week. 
Yes, you can tell the people who live there versus the visitors. Those with tans are the visitors and those without tans are native, right? Well, I don't know. For me, sometimes I'm pr pretty pale skin, so you can never tell from me. Although I, if I get any sun, it usually gives me a pretty good burn. But again, no more Hawaiian tropic, trust me. <laughs> I hear you. So Fred, going moving to um, the business of insurance, I think just about everybody um, who works in this industry, the, reg, whether they're regulators or business entities, anybody in this industry, they know of you pretty much. If, if you're in the U.S. and you're in this in this business or in the regulatory side, chances are somebody knows you. Um, so when it comes to insurance business you also seem to be involved in everything. You seem to be everywhere all the time. Sounds like the title of a movie, right? <laughs> and you've also been the recognized recipient of many, many industry awards in Florida as well as nationally. So congratulations on all of those, all so very well deserved. I think the most recent one was you being listed as the, um, in the 2024 edition of Best Lawyers in America. To what do you attribute the phenomenal success and recognition that you have received thus far in your career. Well, thanks for those kind words and thanks for the way you, you laid that out. I would say to you a couple of things. Number one, um, and, and I appreciate how that was laid out. You know, whether I think I'm a success or not, I, I would just say this to you. Um, hard work is, is important every day of the week. And so, Everything that I do, that the team is doing for clients requires hard work and dedication. And I think someone's reputation is based on what people perceive of them and what people think of them. And so I want people to understand that we are working at this and we're thinking about it 24-7. You know, oftentimes I say to clients, to my team, to myself, if you fail to prepare, prepare to fail. And I think one of the things we try to do is we try to be prepared as prepared as possible. So I think hard work and, and dedication is important. And look, and I've said this before to many others, I think that specializing in an area is important. And I appreciate your comments about, you know, everyone in the industry know, knowing me. I'll tell you two funny um, stories. You know, some person said the insurance industry is six degrees of separation from Fred. And then at a NAIC dinner where there were a bunch of commissioners, they said there are two people at the NAIC who you just need to use the first name with and everyone knows who they are. And it made me feel good about the effort that we put into this. It's a team effort, no doubt. I've got some of the greatest professionals that work alongside of me every day and who I learn something from just about every day. But I think what we've been able to do is focus completely on national insurance regulatory and transactional work. And from my standpoint of view, and I think from the team's standpoint of view as well, we are going to stop at nothing to make sure that we are best to breed in that area. So we are going to learn every day. We're going to spend the time to read industry publications every day. We're going to get to know the statutes of every state in every different area. And we're going to get to know the regulators that we appear before. And I think if you do all those things and you're thoughtful and you're prepared, then you have a reputation that that people espouse to, to emulate. Yeah, sounds like a great recipe for success. And your team is phenomenal. I've met 
I don't know that I've met all of them, but I've met some and they are just terrific as well. So, so congratulations again on all of the success and achievement so far. Um, and I know there'll be many more, many more accolades to come, I have no doubt. Um, so, but that's not it. You also, in your spare time, <laughs> you are also an adjunct professor of law at Florida State University and that's your alma mater, is that correct? So I went to undergrad at the University of Miami Law School at Florida State. I've been an adjunct professor of law since 2008. I currently, and probably for the last seven or eight years, teach what is the most popular in terms of attendance um, adjunct professor course at the law school. It's insurance law and risk management. It is offered during spring break. So students actually have to give up their spring break to take the course. And what we did, I was actually the test case for COVID in terms of remote learning, because if you think about it, COVID really took um, the world by shock in March of um, 2020, when, when, well, it, when is spring break? It's in March. And so we had to make a decision the Thursday before the world shut down, whether we were going to go remote or we were going to go in person. And I said to myself, you know what? I'm still traveling. I was on a trip. I remember I was in Philadelphia and we were on a call at 10 p.m. with the law school that Thursday before everything shut down. We really, the next day, I canceled a, a trip to, to Vegas for a meeting. But I said, you know what? I just don't want to put people out in doing this class. And so we did it remotely in 2020. Well, every year since then, um, and, and 2021 was obviously a weird year, too. And so we for sure we're going to do a remote. But we did 2020, uh, sorry, 2021 was a weird year too. And, and, and so we did a remote then as well, but we did it remote in 2022 and 2023. And the law school now has a Juris Master program and it has an LLM program for foreign trained lawyers who can ultimately become lawyers in the US. And so those students in those programs have been taking the class as well the last couple of years and the remote uh, learning has helped them. We had people uh, two years ago and last year that were on the Zoom for the class from China, from all over the world, South America, which was great. And so that class routinely has somewhere between a low, of, say, 50 or 60 students to a high of 120 students, which is insane. But it's really a fun course. What I told the law school is I said, look, you know, I'm a regulatory lawyer. I'm a transactional lawyer. No two days are the same. I can't commit to you three months, six months, a year in advance, let alone three hours in advance. Sometimes my days all change. And so as long as we can make this class friend and friends, I'm good. And so what the class is, is it's me basically moderating a bunch of my friends, my business friends who are coming in to speak to the class. So we've had the Florida Insurance Commissioner every year for the last couple of years. We've had the Florida State CFO. We've had members of the legislature. We've had people from Guy Carpenter, people from Marsh, people from RMS, just all over the industry, company presidents, company CFOs, and others, just trying to describe to law students, and now these JM and LLM students, exactly what the practical world is, um, is really like. And so it's really been a good experience. But all that to say, I was pleased when they asked me to do it. And I've been an adjunct, as I said, since 2018, but it's important to give back. And so you mentioned a lot of the organizations I'm involved with, like SILA, for example, 
and Sila Foundation and the FSU Law School. I'm giving back to all those places. And I think that's a cornerstone of our industry. And I think if you look from the highest levels of our industry down to, you know, the line workers in the insurance business, everyone understands that our core mission is to help people and to give back. And even though I'm in the legal profession, and even though I'm in a private law firm, a lot of people ask me, what are you doing? I say I'm in insurance because that's really what I spend my days doing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it sounds like the um, course at FSU is is great exposure for the students, you know, into the industry, having a, a really good view of reality in, in the industry. And that sounds very, very interesting. And let's talk about Sila since you mentioned it. You've been a longtime Sila member and you've served Sila in a variety of ways. Can you share with us, with our listeners, how you became involved with Sila and then also the various ways that you've continued to serve? Absolutely. And so, again, to me, I think Sila is a great organization. Diana Capes and, and the whole team over there just do a fantastic job and getting the industry together. You know, you think about it securities and insurance licensing it's just a recipe for interesting conversation and so i went to a sila conference i thought it made sense to get involved and i started to talk to people they said well let's put you on the foundation fred because you know a lot of people and you can help us make that successful and i became the regulatory affairs member of the foundation as well as the general counsel and it's funny because I sort of have, they view my role as so unique that I don't have a term limit. I'm just there as long as they want me. And I guess as long as I want to do it, which I want to do it for a while, because I, I think the people there are great. And then a few years later, I was asked to be the general counsel for Sila Inc. too. So the good thing is we don't have a lot that there's a legal need for at Sila. But if there was and when there has been, we've done that work through the firm pro bono to give back to the industry. But I think the core mission of Sila I mean, set aside the value that people get out of the conference. And I think the value people get out of the conference is um, really, I would say, threefold. Number one, um, networking. I think the networking there is important. Number two, the state-specific and, and other types of specific education, I think, is, is critical. And number three, the education in general, whether it's state-specific or, or very general, um, topics is, is really important to the industry. And so it doesn't surprise me that before the pandemic, we had nearly a thousand people coming to that meeting. And now just a few years outside of the pandemic, um, we're not quite back to where we were, but we're pretty darn close. And look, other people are, you know, there, there, there's other competing interests. Not everyone's traveling the same. So I think the value proposition brought Sila back a lot quicker than, than other organizations. And I would just say for anyone who's listening to this, who's not involved with Sila, Diana, you've done a great job, you know, going through leadership, you know, as, as president of Sila, um, you know, you've just done a great job with all the facets of it. And I think, um, you know, anyone should feel free to reach out to you or me if they've got an interest in joining or becoming more involved because, um, as we know, this industry is graying a little bit. And so the more people that want to get involved, especially younger and, 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 and people who are newer to the industry, I think that would be great. Absolutely. We're always encouraging our members to participate in any way that is of interest to them and that they feel comfortable doing. It's a wonderful growth opportunity for folks in this in this industry. And thank you, Fred, for those kind words. That, that's very, very nice of you to say. Um, 
Well, if I may, in that regard, point of personal privilege, you know, I've had the privilege of representing Marsh for 25 years now, which is sort of crazy in and of itself. But you and I have worked together in that capacity in one way, shape or form for almost about 20 years now. So I guess we're, we're showing our age, but you are the consummate professional and, you know, the awards you won at Sila and other places and the respect that you have uh, generally, uh, but, but in the licensing community specifically, is second to none. So it's a real privilege to work with you, uh, your team, who you've molded and shaped, and, you know, see how you've grown professionally in a great way. So um, you said some kind things about me. Um, I think they might have been embellished, but trust me, my kind words about <laughs> you were right on target. Aw, that's really... See, if, if we were um, televised or, you know, videoing, you'd see that I'm blushing. <laughs> but You're a rough one because you don't want to you don't want to take any credit for anything. You're like behind the scenes on everything. And anytime something has really happened great in your world, you always give credit to the team. And look, we're in licensing. We're in insurance. We're in compliance. Something's going to go wrong. And I've seen you jump in front of something. And it's similar to me when when our team does something that we could have done a little bit better. It's always come, it always comes back to me, even if I wasn't there, because that's what you do as a leader. No, absolutely. Well, thank you for that. I want to talk a little bit about industry, but I want to ask you a quick question. How do you manage to stay so grounded with everything that you do professionally, pro bono, teaching wise? I don't even know how you stay so grounded, Fred. Well, as you know, from getting emails from me late at night, early morning and working with me for a while, I don't sleep much. Um, I, my wife says I thrive on chaos and maybe I do, but I thrive on being busy and being involved. So, and, and here's the other thing, and this is going to sound quirky, but it's true. And you know, it's true. I prefer when our clients, when, when people come to us with a problem before it gets too bad or where they think they're going to. So a lot of what we do, a lot of what I spend my time on, and I thrive on it, really is trying to make sure things go smooth before they go wrong. And so, look, if you do that, and, and I will tell you this, we're blessed with some of the best clients in, in the world. And our practice has grown every year. COVID, it really grew a lot. And, and I'm proud of what we've done on a 50-state and an international basis. And so... Um, you know, do I want to slow down a little? Yeah, but only because 20 hours a day is sort of crazy when it's seven days a week. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I, I'm i in awe of all that you do. I really don't know. You have like endless energy. So good for you. <laughs> so let's turn to the industry a little bit. Can we talk about the current state? Um, some things are changing at lightning speed. Others, Other things just stay, you know, remain the same. How, let's talk a little bit about AI and insured tech that seems to be, you know, one of the biggest hot topics these days. How are AI and insured tech affecting the industry these days? Well, so I think AI and insured tech, and, and there's other things out there too, but specifically those two, which you highlighted, which I, I do think are really big ones, are affecting the industry every day of the week. I mean, the thing about regulation, and we all deal with regulation every day, even if you don't fully appreciate it, if you're in the insurance arena, if you're in a heavily regulated financial arena or any heavily regulated arena, gambling, gaming, other things like that, energy, you're dealing in, in, in an area that is regulated by statutes. 
And the fact of the matter is laws and regulation and administrative type of rules do not move as fast as the economy, do not move as fast as business. There is a inertia, if you will, and I don't mean that in a bad sense, in government. And, and you know, in a lot of cases, that may be right, that, that, you know, a thoughtful approach in doing something where government affects so many people is the right approach. But business doesn't always operate that way. And what we've seen from things like rideshare and Airbnb and things like that is that sometimes the regulations are well behind where business is going, where technology is going. And I think we're seeing that in AI. The interesting thing with AI is that AI is not um, only an insurance specific issue or concern, it's a concern all around. And it's a concern about how you deal with this unharnessed type of thing that could be really good or possibly really bad in terms of you know call spoofing and email that isn't real and, 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 and things like that. And so I think AI is going to be a significant challenge and how that challenge gets harnessed is it's going to be very interesting. I think the industry understands that they don't have all the industry to just let us go with it and see if it works. That's not a reality. I think that the regulators understand that they don't have all the answers too. And I do think there is an attempt to try to work together to get to the right place on AI. So we'll see how that plays out, but it is certainly an interesting time when you deal with technology and, and, and AI and things like that. I would also say when I think through issues, um, cyber remains a big concern for the industry, as well as data privacy. I mean, you think about your data out there and what's going on with some of the hacking and, 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 and things like that. And it certainly will scare you if you don't understand how to work within the process. And so I think data and um, privacy are, are two big issues that the industry is going to face for a while now. I mentioned regulation earlier. I would say to you that if you ask most CEOs, regulation is a big concern for them. It should be. I think anyone in the legislative process, we like to say that if you're not at the table, you're part of the meal. And I think that anyone is, that is not following what's going on regulatory-wise that's not following what's going on legislative wise is leaving something on the table. And so you really need to make sure, I mean, trust me, you know, I'm sure there's going to be some CEOs that listen to this podcast. Uh, but for, for those CEOs who are listening, I know what your main concern is. It's regulation. And for those who aren't CEOs who are listening, your CEO's main concern is regulation. And so regulation is going to continue to be a concern and a touch point. It's not that, it's bad. It's not that it's good. It's just that it's unknown and people need to break it down. And so the more people like me and others who deal with regulators all the time, who deal with a regulatory environment all the time, who, who understand some of the mindset and the thinking, who understand sometimes the game you're watching is not what's really happening. You know, I think that insight is, is, is critical. And I hope that more people spend time on it and get involved with it. It's not, you know, some people consider it a mysterious process. If you understand it, it's not that mysterious. But if you don't understand it, you don't understand it. That's great advice. And you're speaking of keeping up with updates and, you know, in the legislative world. Um, and that's actually a great segue to talk a little bit about the upcoming SILA conference, uh, which will be in October, as everybody knows, in Hollywood, Florida. Um, 
just it's just two months away. I can hardly believe that, but um, I'm looking forward to it. And Fred, you've been a frequent speaker at many of many industry conferences, not just SILA, but certainly for SILA, you've often been a speaker on various topics. And for the past three years, and this will be, I hope, the fourth, you have been a participant on a, a very esteemed panel that talks about legislative updates and what's on the horizon that's impacting our industry. Will you be participating on that panel again this year? So thanks for that question. And thanks for inviting me to speak on that panel. So you and Margie Weber um, moderate that panel and you do a great job. But for the last, as you mentioned, four years or so, or four silos, I should say, because I think we did take a hiatus. Although in the year we took a hiatus, didn't we do that by uh, by video? Virtual, for yes. It was yeah, we did it virtually. <laughs> so for the last several years, Jason Berkowitz with the Insured Retirement Institute John Fielding, who's now with Chubb, and both of those guys do a great job for their respective organizations and for this panel. And myself have done about an hour and 15 minute session, the last day of SILA. And, and really it's turned out to be a mainstay of the conference. Almost everyone is still there. Almost everyone that's still there is in the room. And we really just go through current topics. So the fiduciary rule has been a big issue. Cyber has been a big issue. We've strayed and talked about pet insurance and cannabis and things like that. And so look to see us reprise that again. Now, I will tell you, that is not as fun as um, when Susan uh, Bowles and I were doing the Silent Morning News a few silos ago. We had Jimmy Gunn running around on the uh, stage with us. That was really fun. But this still is pretty fun and it's pretty informative. And I hope to see everyone at that session because I do think we're going to cover a far-ranging uh, array of topics. And I would also say to you, every year we get, number one, we run out of time. But number two, I get a number of people come back to me after and say, hey, can you give me a little bit more information on this or that? So I know that it's important. I know that it's interesting and you know, I'm honored to be a part of it. Absolutely. And to your point, it is very important for people to follow this stuff and be aware of what's on the horizon. It's very important. So... Fred, I could continue talking to you forever, but we're going to um, bring this to a close. But before we do that, you know that we like to ask our guests a reflective question at the end of our chat. And since this is your second time with us, I've changed the question just a little bit. <laughs> so this, this time I'd like to ask, when you reflect on your remarkable career journey, if you could change one thing about it, if anything, what would that be? You know, that's a tough one because I'm pretty happy right now. I mean, if I could change one thing and look, you know, I have certain adages that I say to everyone, uh, fail to prepare, prepare to fail. I've used that a few times now. The harder you work, the luckier you get. But one thing I've told people is that the harder you work earlier, the easier it'll be later. And honestly, I think I've been lying to people about that because I think I work as hard now, if not harder than ever before. So I guess I would just say, as I look back at, you know, 30 years, 30 plus years of doing this now, um, have fun at what you're doing. You know, we we work very hard and, and we take everything we're doing very serious, but don't take yourself too serious. And, and the other thing I would say if I was giving people a reflection or advice, and I do this, I speak to a lot of young law students. We have a lot of summer associates. We have a lot of first year associates. Many of them as a 
practice group chair and as a member of the executive committee come talk to me and as a firm leader. And, and what I tell them, and this has been true to me um, or for me, is that um, specializing in something really makes sense. And, and, and just liking and loving what you're doing. You know, some people might think insurance is boring, but from my standpoint of view, you can't own a home if you don't have insurance. You can't drive a car. You can't own a business because of workers' comp. You, the list goes on and on and on. So, you know, so many things come to mind, but one is that, you know, be passionate about what you're doing and, and feel good about it too. And I certainly feel good about, you know, work, the work I do. I feel good about the work that you and I have done, uh, Diana, as well, and, and look forward to uh, continuing down that road with you and, and other friends at Silent. No, absolutely. And I love that. Um, sounds like absolutely nothing would change. It's, you know, no regrets. And all our young folks out there thinking about a career in the insurance industry or in the legal insurance industry, proof positive, there will be no regrets. It's all great. <laughs> and it is wide open and it is extremely interesting. So Fred, that will be a wrap. As always, it's such a delight and it's been so insightful and fun catching up with you. And on behalf of SILA, I wanted to thank you for your service to our organization over the years, and as well as all your contributions to the industry in general. It is very much appreciated by all. And we're very much looking forward to seeing you in October in Hollywood, Florida at the conference. Are you going to walk there? I can't walk there. It'll be a little bit of a far walk, but um, but I do look forward to being there and I look forward to seeing a lot of old friends. And, and you know, Again, kind words from you, Diana, but it shouldn't be left unsaid that you've left an important mark in this organization on me in terms of the work we've done together, and you're the consummate professional, and that's why I was pleased to do this with you today. Oh, well, thank you, Fred, and it was definitely my pleasure, and I look forward to seeing you in a couple of months in Florida. Well, Diana, another great pot. You and Fred really had a great talk. It's so interesting to hear his thoughts and ideas on different things that are going on in the industry. And I know I'm really looking forward to attending his panel at the conference in October. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's always so much fun and it's always very insightful catching up with Fred. And I am really also looking forward to meeting up with him in person again in October at SILA. His um, participation on that legislative updates panel, along with John Fielding from Chubb and Jason Berkowitz from I IRI, um, is always extremely insightful and very up to date. And it's amazing because even though it's on a Wednesday morning, he's got a packed house and it's very, very informative. So I'm looking forward to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for all of us, all you listeners, if you have any questions for me or Diana, please reach out by email at silaspeaks at sila.org. Follow us on uh, at silaspeaks on Twitter. Don't forget to uh, follow sila.org on LinkedIn. And we are looking forward to seeing you all in Orlando. Oh, I, not Orlando. Hollywood, <laughs> Florida. In Hollywood, Florida. Yes. Don't go to Orlando. Go to Hollywood, Florida. Hollywood, Florida. And don't forget, I'm going to do a, another reminder. It's Hollywood, Florida. Don't forget to register for SILA, the annual conference, again, at the beautiful Diplomat Hotel in Hollywood, Florida. Right. Until then, we'll see you at the next pod. See you soon. The materials in this podcast are intended to provide a general overview of the issues contained herein and are not intended nor should they be construed to provide specific legal or regulatory guidance or advice. 
if you have any questions or issues of a specific nature, you should consult with appropriate legal or regulatory counsel to review the specific circumstances involved. The information or opinions communicated in this podcast are not necessarily opinions of SILA and the SILA Foundation.